This episode of the Better Every Shift podcast is brought to you by Lexipol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit Lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Now let's get into the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Better Every Shift podcast. I am Aaron Zamzow. Over there is Janelle Fasquet. And we are going to take you on a little journey to hopefully enlighten you, better your day, motivate you to be a little bit better, inform you on some of the uh, interesting topics that are facing our fire service. And today it's just Janelle and I. How are you, Janelle? Happy, uh, you know, January or 2023 here. Happy January. <laughs> I'm doing good, Aaron. I'm doing good. Good. Uh, How you, you doing? Know, I, I am, I'm having a blast. And we, I'm having a blast because we get to interview some very forward-thinking leaders of the fire service who, you know, every time we do an interview, I just get super fired up. And um, I hope those of you listening, you also will feel that same way. And you know, we, we get to do some of these interviews and then it takes a couple of weeks or so sometimes to, uh, get them active and, and, and out there and published. And, um, and it's hard for me to not tell people, Hey, this is what's coming up. And, um, you know, and this is one of the episodes that we will reference some of the podcasts that we've done in the past. And, and you and I'll get to tackle some, some interesting things, some interesting topics. And, and one of which I I'm super, um, I'm excited to talk about it. And I, I, I don't know if that's the right terminology. You know, when we do the show prep, we just talk about, Hey, what's going on in the fire service. I like to try to be very positive with things. And, um, yes, do you, you know, I was going to say you like to be the, <laughs> the negative no, but you don't like, we try to be positive, but I'm we also try to give it's the yin and yang. To yeah. Our dynamic. Yep. Yeah. That's why you wear black all the time. I'm kidding. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but you, you brought this to my attention. This is, a, it's just a, one of the things we love about fire service sometimes are the stories within and, um, and there's a story that, that you brought to my attention about, um, uh, you're a little bit better versed on it. If you want to kind of just explain, you know, how, yeah, you, how, how you got, uh, how it got your attention. Yeah. So, well, And I want to add also that, you know, part of today is we want to talk about just the big, the big stories um, that crossed our desk this month. There were a lot of big stories um, that got a lot of attention, a lot of engagement with our followers on social media. Um, And this story that I'm showing here for folks watching the video version, um, this is the story about um, fallen FDNY firefighter uh, Billy Moon who died in a training incident in December, um, he was an organ donor and he ended up donating five of his organs, two of which went to retired FDNY firefighters. I just thought it was unbelievable. It was such a unique and special story um, to think about, you know, his death being, you know, obviously his death is tragic, um, he did not die in vain. He's able to do something really positive, even in his death. And his wife, Christina, 
um, you know, shared this with the media, with the department um, about the ultimate uh, donation of these organs, I believe is his liver and his lungs that went to two retired FDNY members. And it's just, it's such an emotional story. It's a heartbreaking story, but it shows also the power of good coming out of something really, really devastating to this family and how, you know, his wife was able to remain positive about it as well and show, you know, how her husband was so kind in in all aspects of life and even now in his death as well. All the way through, even to the last breath, still be able to give back five. He donated to five different people, I think, correct? Yeah. Five. Well, five organs. Um, I don't know if they went to five different people or if anybody received two, I assume five different people, but, um, but that's amazing. And it also just, for me personally, it made me double check that I'm an organ donor and think about that. And, you know, I just hope it's a reminder to everybody that we should, you know, if it fits within our belief system, whether, you know, personal beliefs, religious beliefs, whatever that might be, um, if you are open to being an, an organ donor, um, please consider that. Please think about it and do what you need to do. Fill out that paperwork you need to fill out. Because, um, you know, if something happened, God forbid something happened, you know, we can still make a difference in, in other people's lives as well. And just what an uplifting, obviously, story and situation. But I think this is something that, that I try to strive to find is there, there's a lot of negative things that go on, right? And, and we mm-hmm. in the fire service get surrounded by a lot of that sometimes. And yet, when you start to look around you, there's two perspectives you can look at. One, you can look at, I think, a lot of the, the negative things. And sometimes you need to be aware of that. But also make sure that you take time to look at the other side. And mm-hmm. obviously, this is a situation we didn't, you don't want to see. But how you can still make an impact um, and be positive and take you know, this story. And, and I just looked at it. It was kind of heartwarming. And uh, that's what I can, you know, focused on. Then, you know, as soon as you sent that to me, I think it was a week ago or something like that. I'm like, you know what? Like people are inherently good. And sometimes you got to search mm-hmm. for a little bit. And, and I thought that that was a real fitting way to just start off today. Like, Hey, you know, this year could be difficult. I, I know a lot of, of friends and family members that, um, have lost some loved ones already in the short time. A good friend of mine, his dad passed away. Um, mm-hmm. I was, very fortunate to be in the same city that they, they took him to. And I was able to kind of talk my way into the hospital and, um, somehow I get myself in these situations, but it was great because I was able to be there and it was actually a very peaceful, um, occurrence and, and, you know, family was, was accepting of it. And, you know, just things like that. It's, it's life is tough. Look for some positivity and, um, you know, uh, and here's a great example of it. So I'm glad you brought that to my attention. And that's kind of one of the things I wanted to talk about right yeah. away. Um, of course, now your editorial and your editor side also threw what at me? What was the next thing that we were, we want to address? Oh here? man, the next one was, we're doing a hard pivot here. This is like a totally, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally different vibe. Uh, but this was one of the most controversial articles we've seen in a while. And or I shouldn't say article, but the the story itself is quite controversial. 
um, a, a firefighter in Alabama who was fired um, after uh, complaints were made about her having a neck tattoo. Um, and then she tried to, she grew out her hair to cover the neck tattoo because while she thought she was uh, aligned with department policy about tattoos, you know, here she went ahead, grew out the hair to cover it. And then someone complained about the hair and she got fired. And it brought up a whole bunch of questions about grooming standards and policy, policy, mm-hmm. policy, policy, because really this comes back to what uh, the department policy was. And that's really the sticking point here. That's the controversial element is um, the firefighter is basically saying that other people had similar tattoos and were not, you know, no one was complaining about them. There yeah. was no disciplinary action about them. And, you know, the department allegedly went back and rewrote the policy in a way that could justify her firing. Iron, now, yeah. after the fact, after the fact. So yeah. now I am not in Alabama. I am not the reporter on the ground here. This is sourced from multiple different sources. Um, you know, but I understand that there, there very well could be other parts of the story that we're not familiar with. Um, yeah. But it does bring up a lot of questions about what's happening here and really the importance of having standards or, excuse me, policies in place that are solid. Yeah. Um, and we, we have a follow-up article. I'll go into that in a second about okay. kind of how those policies can um, can be fair. But w- what was your take on this, Aaron? Well, I, I did a little research on it. So I was just, you know, I'm, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, working in the fire service and going to a lot of conferences, you know, you see there's some great artwork um, uh, that people have and tattoos. Now, I think um, 36 of all, 36% of all Americans between like ages 18 and 29 have at least one tattoo. It's up to like 40% for those that are older, 30% of us college graduates have tattoos. So they're very common place. Uh, and obviously I think even more so that those numbers are higher, I think in the fire service and military. And, um, you know, it just, it brings up something. And I, I watched the, the video on it and, and the, the, the tattoo that was in question was actually very, very beautiful, very pretty. Like it wasn't, um, derogatory in any manner. And, um, you know, you mentioned policy and there's always two sides to every story. So is there something underlying that affected this particular decision. I don't know. Like you were saying there, like I said, there's two stories to this. Um, but if your policy is strong is one thing. If you have policy where it states that I think where we as a fire service need to get better is then actually following through with the policy, right? Like there's two Mm -hmm. separate things that happen. There is, one, you write the policy, and it sounds like for some people it was followed and others it was not. And that's where I um, see leadership coming in. And, um, you know, and, and also like the strength with your policy only lies in how well it's adhered to and, um, you know, how well you hold people accountable for it. 
Otherwise, it's just blah, blah, blah on the wall or in a book. And I know a lot of departments that have an updated policy. So if you wrote your policy on that 20 years ago, well, not everybody had tattoos back then. So how do you change that policy a little bit? And, um, you know, so I think it brings forth, like you said, this is just this is a, a huge kind of issue because then right now we could talk about tattoos and what a policy is, but then look at like hair. And yeah. that's another part of this. Um, and, and another article that you sent, sent uh, to me about, um, you know, grooming policies and a lot of departments, there's litigation right now because members either they either have religious beliefs or in some mm-hmm. cases they actually have medical conditions where they cannot, you know, shave all the way. Mm-hmm. And how are departments handling those situations? Some are firing them and some are trying to work with them. And, um, and the, the article on that, um, I can't off the top of my head. Uh, I think, are you sharing that right now? What was the um, author on that one? Yeah. So Linda Willing wrote yes. this yep, yep. great Linda. analysis piece, firefighter grooming standards and evol- evolving policy issue. And she really, breaks it down. And I mean, obviously there's, like we said, there's a lot more to this story. Uh, the firefighter um, was also thinking that there might be a retaliatory retaliation element to it based on a completely separate incident that had right. nothing to do with the hair or tattoo. Um, you know, we won't get into all of that here um, because we are not there, but it, like we said, it brings up good questions. So Linda really kind of outlines this for us, whether it's talking about tattoos, piercings, hair, um, really it comes back to these four factors, you know, is the policy fair? Does it apply to all members? You know, is it inclusive? Yep. You know, um, is there a professionalism element for the basis of all of these policies? And does it align with safety provisions and protocols? Um, so certainly, you know, jewelry might pose a safety risk. So there are certain things, you know, you probably can't do, you know, you can't wear. Um, Linda points out in this article, though, of course, that jewelry can in most cases be removed, yep. at least, yep. whereas, yeah. you know, our hair tattoo, you know, these are not easily adjusted things in, in some ways. Um, but she also talks about how the army just updated their policies and, you know, the fire service, we can certainly learn, you know, cause the army is going to see a lot of this. You mentioned yeah. the military before, you know, and the stats are pretty high with tattoos. Um, but similar to the fire service, you know, these are uniform services. So it, we understand the need for uniformity. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uniformity and, and professionalism. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. I, I do, you know, the safety issue about it, I, I understand totally. And, and one of the issues going on with that, like um, uh, it's folliculitis, I believe, is what um, a lot, some members have where, you know, if they shave, they get mm-hmm. uh, like an infection in their, their face or, you know, um, and, and can the mask seal and manufacturers have chimed in and say, said, you know, they have certain parameters and, you know, in, in this case, this is maybe where we can look at research, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. ask some people to, to do research, ask for the manufacturers to step in and, and give us a little bit more guidance on that. That's one option. And, um, you know, 
it does go back though, again, back to that policy and updating it to meet the times. And we've, how many times have we had that conversation about leadership and trying to not be so self-absorbed in the way that we used to be and actually like embrace more modern, you know, every more modern times, um, policy that was written 20 minutes, uh, 20 years ago. Right. Like, yeah. Well, I think one of the big things is especially right now we have this huge recruitment and retention issue. And so if we're really trying to attract new, you know, typically younger members to the fire service, you know, we have to accept that there's going to be a, you know, a higher likelihood that there's going to be more and more tattoos, um, you know, and tattoo related issues that come up and that will need to be addressed or jewelry related issues. That's not to say that everyone is just accepted exactly as is now, you know, the policy will likely state that you can't have a tattoo that says something super offensive on your forehead if you're going to be treating patients. Yeah. You know, so it's not like we're saying everybody just go crazy and wild here. No, we're saying like identify a policy that makes sense and aligns with the current day and who you're trying to attract. And it's just realistic about, you know, the pool of potential applicants here. Right. Right. So like if I wanted to tattoo 30 to two, because I want to remember the ratio of CPR. Now, if they change that and I got to make sure that if I look in the mirror, it's the right way. Right. Like I can't. I mean, are you going to carry a mirror around? Aaron? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. You're going to ask well, it's, the it's patient my, to tell you. Right. It's for my crew. So when they look at me, they know oh, what we should be doing, okay. you know. Um, got it. Got it. Right. But, but it brings up a point like CPR, you know, some of the the guidance guidelines for like CPR and, and CCR and, you know, you know, those have changed a little bit with the times mm-hmm. as research changes and as, as um, you know, as society changes. And, you know, I, I understand there's a professional side of it. And, but we also, like I said, we got to think a, a little bit more forward and, and meet people halfway in, in some cases. And then also just make sure people are aware of what's expected of them and, and, and really draw out the example. So if you don't want any ne- neck tattoos, like make sh- like show an example that that is not acceptable and, um, you know, it, draw it out there. So there aren't any questions about it. And, um, you know, right. Yeah. Like, well, and I think you have to show examples, multiple examples. So it's crystal clear because crystal. not everyone is going to have the same tattoo in the same location. I mean, there are certain departments that have policies where you can have a tattoo. It just can't be showing. Now, that also brings up safety risks because, you know, if you work in Arizona and it's 118 degrees out, but you have to wear long sleeve. (laughs) Try heat. Yes. And you have to wear long sleeve, you know, pants, shirt, you know, that can create over heating over exertion, you know, so there are factors. I'm not saying I have all the answers. I'm just saying departments need to consider what that could mean. And at the end of the day, it just has to be enforced consistently. You can't have one policy for a firefighter and one policy for a battalion chief or one, you know, policy for someone you do like and a different one for someone you don't like, whatever the situation is has to be consistent. Well, 
and you know, we see this too with departments with tobacco use, maybe. So let's say mm-hmm. it's a, if it's a city policy, yet the fire department doesn't follow it. And all of a sudden one person, they decide to follow it as an example. I mean, you start to just get into this, you, you open Pandora's box for a lot of different troubles. And, and yeah. I think the message that a lot of our, our guests, our leaders would say is, you know, make sure everyone is aware of that expectation, make sure that everyone's aware of that policy and then just follow it regardless of, of, of who it is, make sure that it's being followed and enforced. And, and that, that actually brings a stronger culture. And I think that would actually lead to more recruitment down the road because it, people are is better, higher job satisfaction. And you talked about having to market ourselves differently because it used to just be we're the fire department. Let's open the door. You, 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 and you, we want you. And, and now you open the door and there's, there's nobody there in, yeah. in some instances. So we really have to look at the story and figure out what, you know, and if you're listening to this, go back to your, your chiefs and ask what is our policy and, and when has it been updated and, and what are we going to do if this happens and how, how does this affect us from hiring and professionalism and, and, um, you know, one of our guests, uh, Captain, uh, I'm sorry, Chief Tim Settleback uh, said, it's okay to have these uncomfortable conversations. And we need to, as a fire service, start having these uncomfortable conversations and address them before they become CBS news stories, because it doesn't do anybody any good. Yeah. And I think one of the uncomfortable questions or conversations to have is, you know, is this a brotherhood and a sisterhood or not? You know, Billy Goldfeder will famously say brotherhood my ass because it's like (laughs) he calls people out for when they you know claim to be part of a brotherhood or sisterhood but then they don't act on it um certainly with an industry a career something like the fire service you're gonna see a lot of tattoos it's right that it just like with the military because of the brotherhood element and the bonding that happens um I mean, we have we have a story. I should have pulled it up, but we've got one where we it's basically a collage. We've got of people who have submitted photos of their tattoos. We have one whole entire article that's just dedicated to p- pictures of firefighters tattoos that honor um, the three four three. You know, nine right. eleven. Yeah. You know, yep. this is a way to show support no matter what state or part of the world you're in. So, what is that? What does that say to your members then if you're not being crystal clear about what that tattoo policy is? I think it sets the department up not only for lawsuits, but also just for a culture that is maybe not, you know, walking the walk that they say. It's not a right. And and that that culture can change quickly because of that. It's not the way to Mm -hmm. build up your organization. Um, yeah. like, like I said, you want to avoid being on CBS news Yeah. and, um, and speaking of CBS news and, and, uh, you know, something that a lot of people in the, in the, uh, fire service are talking about is the, the NFL, um, incident with DeMar Hamlin and, um, his collapsing on the field and, and the, the unbelievable job that the responders did there, the athletic trainers did there. A lot of first responders are are kind of, I would say chiming in, but they're just. I think it's a great a great uh, story. Obviously, he's he's made a full recovery almost. Um, I don't know about playing football again, but I mean he's he's 
there doesn't seem to be, be any deficits. But a lot of responders are like, you know, they looked at how the NFL and the rest of the world responded to that. And we, we as like, we were just like, well, that's, that's just a Tuesday yeah. for us. Um, what was your response when you saw that? Like knowing, you know, you, you're very unique because you know, you know, what's going on on both sides of that. Like, how did you feel when you saw that? Oh, I think just like anybody, I mean, I was mesmerized and horrified, terrified for him and what was happening on the field. Um, you see the heartbreak on his teammates' faces, you know, when they were, they circled him so that the cameras couldn't see, you know, what was happening on the field. And then, you know, just so elated to learn that he was okay. Oh God. Yeah, I mean, yeah. when we showed the story, we ran the story where he, uh, you know, was given the, the heart flashing the heart to his team. Um, oh my gosh, just waterworks because it's just so glad. But, um, yeah, this is a really interesting one because it's sort of, it's both a really heartwarming story, but also controversial too, because man, there are a lot of, a lot of people chatting, chatting up each other on social media about this. And mm -hmm. there were a lot of different takes on it. Yeah. Um, a lot of know, memes. A lot that, of that. memes, like focusing on the, while the, I mean, there were some that were focused on, oh, look at, at the folks who are probably the least the, paid least paid yeah. people treating the people who, you know, are paid the most, you know, and then you got people saying like, don't go there. Like yeah. why go there? Yeah. And then there's the whole other element of it. Like you said, where, you know, this is just another day for EMS crews. This is, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, typically you don't have a bazillion people watching it live on television. Yeah. Um, doesn't change how we react though and respond as no, first responders, right? Doing, like, doing your job. Yeah. Um, I will say though, one of the one of the takes that came up was this idea of oh, the players, you know, they're so devastated, but we just do this every day. And the devil's advocate in me would say the I think the point that's being missed there is it's different when one of your own goes down. Very much that was so. one of their own. Very you know, much so. Yep. It's different, you know, when you pull, you know, a, someone you don't know out of a building. And I should say, I have not pulled someone out of a building. I understand that I have a unique perspective here on the outside. But, um, you know, it's different. I have to imagine it's different than pulling, you know, your crew member out yeah. of a building. Yeah. And if you watched your own crew member having chest compressions. Um, there's just, and maybe for some it's the same, but I think for a lot of people it would be different because yeah. of your connection, because you're trained to, to just go to work and not have all the emotions, but that's really hard to turn off when it's one of your own. Yeah. I think, uh, you hit it right on the head. The, the difference here is they're watching, you know, almost, you know, like a crew member, a family member, and that's, that's traumatic for it to happen live in front of, you know, 10 million people, you know, that, that probably adds to it a little bit, obviously. Um, and, um, I just, I, I think it was a very, 
now that the story has come out and that he's going to be okay. Like, I think it, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I try to look at the positives, like those responders did exactly what they needed to do. And, and, and I think it showed, um, you know, it showed uh, the people watching just how valuable we are. Um, yeah. And also just how delicate life can be. And I think, you know, the takeaways from that are we do a damn good job as first responders, regardless of what we're paid and who's watching us. And we yeah. have to do that. Yeah. Um, football is secondary, which I thought was great to see people say, this isn't, this it doesn't matter. This is just a game. This, this is, mm -hmm. you know, when someone's life is at stake, um, it's a lot different. And, um, yeah. you know, I, that's just my take on it. And I, I, my kudos go to, you know, to those, those, like I said, those responders, you know, I watched the tape a little bit you see the per first person on, I think they were motioning for the AED to be brought right away. Mm -hmm. And they, they did, you know, everything they needed to do. And, and, um, yeah, you know, life is precious. You don't know. I think there's some great, uh, reasons and reasoning and rationale as to why that happened. And, you know, from an EMS standpoint, you know, it may happen in, in other football games, whether it's college or high school or, or anything. And, you know, I look at it from the EMS, EMS standpoint, went back to my crew the next day and went, okay, so now that happens on the hockey rink today. What are we doing? How are we responding? You know, yeah. how are we getting that caught out in the hockey rink? Where are we going with it? And I tried to use that as a training ground for, all right, there are these scenarios all around us. And we just, yeah. let's, let's look at this to be better. And, you know, the human side of it too, is we're exposed to things as first responders that, that, you know, we, we just, we're, we're wired a little bit differently. And so, yeah. um, like, that's why I really love the story is because if you step back and you look at the, the human side of stuff, um, and you can also look at the first responder side of stuff and hopefully grow from both situations. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was a masterclass in showing what EMS does and the value of EMS. And I hope that it beyond just the training that might come out of it, like, okay, let's take this like you did. That's great. You know, and how do we make sure that we're prepared for that? But then when you look at the greater public, hopefully an incident like this will also open people's eyes to this is the type of stuff that EMS crews do every single day. You just yeah. happen to be seeing this one. Right. That's, and that's the only difference is you happen to be watching this game in front of me and PIOs, you know, mm -hmm. use this to talk about CPR and how much, yeah. you know, a, a, a very quick response and CPR can, can help save a life. And in this case, you know, it's, it's a firsthand, um, example of it. So yeah. that's another part that can come out to, to, to use this as an educational piece for the general pu um, public, you know? Yeah. And, and if people get offended by that, like, Oh, you're utilizing this situation to, you know, for whatever, um, you know, whatever benefit look. Yeah. In a way, but like, isn't that what we want to do as a society is utilize these things to get better and to bring awareness to certain things. So it doesn't happen to more people. And if it does, we're, we're equipped to, to more prepared for it. Right. Like, isn't yeah. that the purpose? So. Exactly. Well, and I think you have to ask yourself, like, what would Damar Hamlin say about this? I think Damar Hamlin would be pretty happy. Again, I don't know him, but I'm guessing he'd be pretty happy to see that departments are 
using this as an opportunity to encourage people to get CPR training because it saved his life and it could save other people's lives. I mean, exactly. good, good can come out of this. It's And it's okay for good to come out of situations. I mean, Jamar Hamlin had a charity that like skyrocketed to oh, yeah. like, right? like $10 million or something yeah. that day. Obviously that wasn't planned, you know, but people wanted to help like the good in people comes out. I personally went and watched some CPR videos um, that <laughs> awesome. night. I did. Yeah. It's like kind of like, it was just one of those things where I thought, holy crap, like I need to figure out, make sure I know that I'm up on my skills too. I, and I, I think that was probably happening across the country. I mean, we saw news reports that searches for CPR skyrocketed. Yeah. You know, right. So because you- it good good came out of this and of course thank god he's okay you know and hopefully we'll be back playing at some point um possibly i mean he's he made he's made a great recovery and i you know that's a whole another part of that story you know um but um you know i think that's using a a particular story uh that was very you know prevalent and 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 getting better from it and learning from it and, and understanding just, you know, the brevity of it and, and how it can play in our, in our lives. And there's another story on, on, um, fire rescue one, unfortunately about, um, I'm a firefighter from, um, Chicago, Frank Nunez, who uh, passed away. Uh, and there was a, a video of him taking one of his final rides in a, in an ambulance going home. Mm. Um, I think his dog was on there too. And, which hmm. always hits me. Um, but he passed away from cancer and, um, you know, utilizing, you know, Frank's memory to talk about cancer and look, cancer is very prevalent in the fire service and it's becoming more and more prevalent. And, um, January is cancer firefighter cancer awareness month. The IFF, the IFC is doing a lot, um, with it. Firefighter cancer support network, if you go, you know, there's, there's a lot of resources that are there. Personally, I was just at uh, FDSOA, which is the fire department safety officers conference. And we talked a lot about firefighter health and wellness and cancer. And you heard the stories, some like, unfortunately, like, like, um, like Frank Nunez that, that passed and others that got their annual medicals and found cancer at its infancy and are, were able to recover from it and be cured. And this is the instance where I think as a fire service, we need to really take notice. We need to listen to these stories and take them to heart, take them back to our departments. Early detection is one of the best ways. Taking care of yourself from a fitness standpoint, from a nutrition standpoint, all play into preventing and and decreasing your chances of cancer, wearing your gear, wearing your PPE, you know, your SCBA in in overhaul situations and deconning properly. All of these steps can really do a lot to mitigate chances and to minimize. But as a brotherhood, we need to start showing our concern for each other and calling each other out when some of these things aren't done. And I think that begins with health and wellness that begins in, in, you know, stress management and sleep and 
nutrition and decon. And the biggest takeaway from that, and I could do, I could go on for hours on this. And those that know me probably have heard me go on for hours about it. But I really think brotherhood and sisterhood needs to develop into more positive lifestyle accommodation and, and, and more positive lifestyle examples. We're very good at, you know, going out and partying and drinking together and celebrating, you know, a firefighter's promotion and, and, you know, sometimes their lives. We need to be better at trying to protect each other, trying to uh, uh, encourage each other to be more healthy, especially on the cancer side. And so, um, you know, I, I just think that that is going to be and should be everyone's focus for 2023 because these conferences that I'm going to, I'm starting to get a little bit fired up, mad, mm -hmm. because we know the stats. This data is, is getting worse. Mm -hmm. And I think we just need to wake up and, and start having difficult conversations to each other about put your SCBA on. Mm -hmm. Hold on. Let's go decon. You know, you need to look at your health. You need to get your annual medical. So I'll get off my yeah. soapbox on that. But I, I believe that, um, you know, the research is, is very daunting against us. And we need to start to, to really care, each other, care. If we care enough about each other, we need to start making those positive changes. So, and, yeah. and I know with, with, with this, there's, there's quite a few stories about cancer on uh, Fire Rescue One, some good, some bad, as a matter of fact, like, you know, instances where firefighters have passed and, mm -hmm. um, any other things that, that stand out for you for cancer awareness? Yeah. I, what came to mind while you were talking is the part of this is just sharing personal stories. Um, I think there's a lot of power in that. You know, we just ran an article that Jerry Brandt, who writes about, um, grants in the fire service for us, uh, he shared his skin cancer experience. Mm. Um, Billy Goldfeder, as most people know, has um, shared a lot um, about his prostate cancer experience. He started 40 plus fire. Um, the more we can normalize talking about it and going to the doctor and encouraging each other and saying, you know, I mean, that was a big part of, of Billy's initiative is like, here, I'm just going to be honest and tell you everything because that's why some people don't go get checked is because there's this fear of the unknown. They don't know what it's going to entail. So he just lays it all out there for you. If you yeah. remove the fear, you're more likely to take care of it. And really so much of cancer awareness and prevention is the early detection. And so if you might not feel like you have the words. That's okay because other people have them for you. There are documents, and we'll and put these in the show notes. But you know, the IFC um, has a list. It's literally a one pager that you can print out and take. It might be two pages, but you know, you yeah. can print it out, take it to your doctor, and say, "Hey, you might not know about this." You know, yeah. because let's face it, doctors—they've got a million things going on. They're not like completely dialed into what the fire service. Yep. what's happening in the fire service or the fact that it was just declared like a class one carcinogen, carcinogen. career. Yep. Um, so you can print it out, you could take it to them and just hand it to them and say, these are the unique risks that I face. 
Here's and, what I need to be tested for. Yeah, this yeah. is what to test me for. Yeah. Um, let the expert help you. You don't have to know everything. Let the experts do what they do. Um, but they'll help you. And then, you know, brother and sister firefighters can help you through sharing those stories and yeah. kind of relieving some of that fear and anxiety around going to the doctor. Fire, uh, uh, the First Responder Center for Excellence, FRCE, has both uh, of those as a PDF that you can just download and print. And one is a, a letter to your doctor, and then the other one is what they need to be looking for. And yep. I've sent numerous people there this month, and you know, I sh my pledge is to continually send people there. Uh, that's what I printed off. I've already sent that to my doctor, like through my charts and through messaging. You can send that to them ahead of time. It introduces it just like Janelle was saying, and then it, it talks about why you need these different tests and and hopefully your doctor will advocate for you to get them. And um, and those are uh, available through First, Respo First <laughs> Responder Center for Excellence. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're also on, I think, um, Firefighter Cancer Support Network and Science at the Stations also. So there's a quite a few websites that do that. But, um, you know, I think it starts with that. Take care of yourself. Make sure that you are uh, going to the doctor regularly and, um, you know, and then then promote that to, to other members of uh, around you. Right. Um, mm -hmm. so with that, um, I think, uh, I wanted to ask, I've been waiting to ask as far as like, you know, talking about annual medicals and being better and, yes. you know, what, what are you doing this year? What's so far, like what's driving you to be better and, and how have you tried to, to take all this stuff in that we talk about and apply it to yourself? Oh boy. Okay. Aaron. I'll just be real with everybody. Started yep. strong this year, took a bit of a dive in the third week of the month. Um, not that I should be using excuses, um, but we did have quite a bit of rain out here in California and sadly part of our house flooded. Uh, so yes. that sort of like derailed my week, even though I know what I should be doing is setting up um, getting into such a habit that even when like life happens like this, that you don't become instantly derailed. So right now this week I've gotten back on track. Flood hey. situation is handled. Yes. Got my Fitbit on again, yes. taking some water, going to bed early. So I have, um, I can't remember if I talked about this in our health and wellness fitness episode with Jim and Dan, but I did start one of these tracker apps, like a habit tracker app. Um, so I get pings on my phone asking me, you know, did I take a walk today? Did I drink X number of ounces of water? Little things that I have to like check in awesome. at the end of the day. Um, I can't say that it's a perfect, uh, <laughs> I can't <laughs> say I'm, I'm checking the box every day, um, but I'm trying and I'm getting there and good trying to just do, you know, like I'm trying to take Jim and Dan's advice and bite off like a little bit at a time because I tend to go all in when on things and get a little burned out. Like I want to go from doing nothing to like running a marathon and that isn't going to happen. No. Uh, so I need to be a little smarter and set more reasonable goals for myself. So. Awesome. How about you? How's your year going so far? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm having all the fun. And, and first of all, we uh, are actually, I, I don't want to give it all away yet, but I'm working on a challenge for Better Every Shift. And I think I've required 
I've, I've, uh, I've required, I've, uh, kind of involved some leaders of the fire service. And I think we'll maybe announce the full thing in contest in a, in a later one. Um, so, um, I've been having some conversations with the, uh, you know, some of the great people that I get to talk to and, uh, applying it. I've been dry in January been, and great with that. Um, and you know, personally fitness side, I do pretty well. And, um, I just wanted to continually work on that. And, and I, I, you know, frankly, when his whole thing about just take 10 minutes every day and learn something about being better at your job. And, yeah. you know, I, I use that and I've been doing that every day. Now I haven't necessarily always focused on fire. I've actually, believe it or not, tried to figure out ways I can be better at this podcast. And right now someone's going, well, it's not working, Zam. It's just not working, but I try. And, uh, that's the whole point of it is I, I might, might be failing and falling, but I'm falling forward and I feel much better about that. And, um, yeah, that's it. I feel great, uh, trying to do those things. You know, when I ask you a lot about for feedback and, um, it's a great time then to bring back, uh, or bring out the fact that we do want your feedback as a listener to email us at better every shift at firerescue1.com. Please leave comments. Please rate and review. Uh, I, we read these. And um, if you want to hear different topics or if you want to hear a different host, I guess you can try that as well. Uh, but um, I, I take the feedback and, and really I'm trying to grow and be better with it to be able to, to offer a better message and to uh, just be a better first responder in person. So um, yeah, I'm excited to see and hear more about your journey and, and, and myself to grow. So with that, do you have anything else? Um, this is a great, great little conversation. Um, turned into a nice little kind of episode here, didn't it? Oh yeah. And we hope to do this about once a month, kind of giving a perspective on what the big news from the month. Um, so we'll, we'll do that, but we are open to suggestions. We, we are, um, very much interested in your feedback. So thank you so much to our listeners and, uh, we, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, please do leave comments, send us a message. It's Janelle and I are, are, are really are the ones that, that read all this. And, um, again, this is for you and, uh, with the intention of, of, of really just trying, you know, t- to get you to learn something, to do something, to share something to make you and those around you better every shift. Thanks for listening, everybody.